the first client or the first few are the toughest ones. It gets easier, but it's often that first client that's a tricky one. What you have to decide first is who you're going to help and how you're going to help them. So I always uh, recommend crafting something I call a barbecue pitch. And what I mean by barbecue pitch is, let's say, uh, Tequila, if I met you at a backyard barbecue and after we get done with the pleasantries, talking about kids, weather, whatever, I said, so what do you do, Tequila? Your barbecue pitch is your one sentence answer. And for example, for me, it's I help coaches get more clients without paid advertising. In this world that's filled with so much noise and information, how do we really stand out and be who we were really meant to be? In this podcast, we focus on injecting you with positivity, optimism, and strategies all centered around helping you be who you were always meant to be in business and life. Be inspired to show up in your own skin to learn strategies, habits, and skills from others as we share our own life journeys and stories. There's no other you, and you know yourself better than anyone else. So be prepared to take away habitual tidbits, tactics that will encourage you to pursue and live your life, not the one others want you to live. Welcome to Stand Out Be You, where you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be you. Welcome back. I'm Tequila Dottard, your host of Stand Out Be You. You are listening to another episode where I bring to you the stories of solopreneurs and small business owners. I'm excited to be here with you today with another solopreneur. As you know, Stand Out Be You is about capturing the story of you. And I have here with us today, Mark Maweni. Mark helps coaches build successful businesses. He's helped thousands of coaches jumpstart their business He has a Facebook community of over 16,000 active coaches. So if you are a coach or a coach looking to grow your business, you're going to want to spend some time with us today. What I loved about this episode is Mark's thoughts on what it takes to be a coach and how he teaches coaches to build their businesses without advertising. Yes, you heard that right. No advertising. Before we take a listen, have you joined the Standout BU community where solopreneurs are helping each other collaborate and make business connections on social media? I'm in there too. Go to tequiladoddard.com forward slash community to join us. Okay, Mark, welcome to Standout BU. Tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Oh boy, it's always tricky to give the Cliff's Notes version in a 30-second answer, but in a nutshell, I'm uh, all about helping coaches get more clients without paid advertising, but uh, the reason I do what I do is I was in real estate throughout my 20s for 10 years and went through really bad business closure, and I was helped back to my feet by several coaches and mentors, so when I got back into business, I said it'd be great to get in and become a coach, and where I've experienced it firsthand. And, and I've been doing it now for, oh, five and a half years. Awesome. Awesome. You know, when I was looking into um, what does Mark do, what does he deliver out into the communities and what does he give to others? What I loved is that you mentioned that coaching doesn't have to be an established coach for many years. You can actually be someone who's just starting out as well. Tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what does it take to actually be a coach? 
Well, the coaching snobs would probably be mad at me for saying this, but I think that a lot of people build coaching up into something really, um, I, I say they try to make it sound like it's a magical thing, like the force and Star Wars, and you need to do it for thousands of hours and consult with a wise man on the top of a mountain and all this stuff. And really coaching, in my opinion, is helping your client get from point A to point B, and we shouldn't make it into something that it's not. And that's not trying to say that there's not skills that are good things to have. Obviously, you have to be a good listener and care about people and be able to help deliver results. But I don't think that it should be some magical thing that only certain people can do, a handful of people. I think that a lot of people could be coaches and and help people. So that's what I'm all about is getting more new coaches rolling. Because as you know, it's not an easy business to get going. And a lot of people jump into it thinking that it's going to be... clients rolling through the doors and stuff, it'll be easy and it's not. So I want to help more coaches, not just survive, but do well in it. So let's go back a little bit about your story. You said that it's not really easy to get into it. And I know that you have the history and you kind of spoke about it a little bit earlier, but how did you know that the coaching world was for you? And then how did you get started? Because I know it's always that hardest part in the beginning to just get it going. How did you do that? Well, I got started in coaching because I'm unemployable. I say I can't work a nine to five. I would jump off a building before. Now that's extreme, but I'm just not really uh, like a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm not employable. I've always worked for myself right out of uh, university. So when I um, went through the business closure, I had a period of few years, I say in the wilderness. And when I came out of that, I decided, I said, I want to get back into business, but I don't want to do real estate. I've been doing it since I was 21 years old and I've been there, did it, done it, got the t-shirt. And I, because I had been helped by coaches, I thought, wow, it'd be great to be a coach myself. So I jumped in. I'm not the type to over research things for years and <laughs> do all this stuff. I said, you know what? I'm going to just start coaching. I'm going to jump in there. And, and that's funny because a lot of people will say, well, you have to be certified. You have to do this and that. And I, now I had a background building businesses and large businesses. So I had that background, but I didn't take years going through certifications and stuff. And honestly, I can't say since I've been doing it, I've ever had someone say, I'm ready to hire you, Mark. Just send me a copy of your certificate or diploma from whatever coaching school. You know, I think I'm good at what I do. I help people get those results we talk about, but I don't overthink it. I just jumped out there and and got started with it. The funny thing is I noticed a lot of similarities between starting a coaching business and starting a real estate business. So I, I was grateful that I had the experience of building up my real estate business because that gave me the patience and discipline here for coaching, which you need those things. It takes a little while to get it going. Yeah. And I have to agree with you, Mark, on that, because one of the things I even tell my kids is that you are a coach because you went through an experience. You're able to turn around and coach someone else, you know? So it's like, it's different levels. So I think that that coaching word has taken on its own like life and someone took it somewhere else. I don't know where, but Hmm. I totally agree that when you bring it back and you really think about a coach is that you're hiring them because of the experience that they have a book they may have read a course that they may have even taken that they're able to turn around and coach you. So Hmm. tell us, 
If someone was to start this, how would they go about getting that first client? Because I know coaches, they're out here. Some of them go through the whole extensive types of certification, so forth and so on. They come out and then they still don't have the client. Yeah. <clears throat> A word of warning, the first client or the first few are the toughest ones. It gets easier, but it's often that first client that's a tricky one. What you have to decide first is who you're going to help and how you're going to help them. So I always uh, recommend crafting something that I call a barbecue pitch. And what I mean by barbecue pitch is let's say uh, tequila, if I met you at a backyard barbecue and after we get done with the pleasantries talking about kids, weather, whatever, I said, so what do you do tequila? Your barbecue pitch is your one sentence answer. And for example, for me, it's I help coaches get more clients without paid advertising. That's very clear. It lets people know what I do. No guesswork. So I recommend getting a nice, clean, clear barbecue pitch. Now, it's probably not going to be the one you're sticking with for the next 30, 40 years. So your business will evolve. It will shift. But I like something like that that's um, a little more specific instead of just I'm a life coach or I'm a health coach or I'm a relationship coach. So, for example, instead of saying I'm a health coach, you might say I help new mothers get back to their pre-baby weight without spending their days in the gym. Or, uh, you know, I would tighten that one up a little bit, but yeah. that, you know what I mean? Instead, yeah. you say, oh, I'm a health coach. <laughs> so after you decide who you're helping, you got to get in front of them and you have to show that you're actually an expert with it. And that's where the content creation and getting your message out there is important, which I'm really big on that. I do daily emails to my list. I've done a ton of podcasts. I do a whole bunch of things to, to make sure I get in front of people and show that, hey, I know what I'm talking about and I want to help you. And that's the approach I took because when I started my coaching business, I was coming off that business closure just a few years earlier. I didn't have access to the money that I had back in the real estate days that I could have thrown into ads, right? Fa Facebook ads and everything else. So I had to build it up organically. And at the time, it seemed like it, that was a bad thing. I was kind of grumbling, thinking, oh, I wish I had the money that I used to have to put towards it. But it was actually uh, the silver lining was it, it forced me to get really clear on my message and to get good at creating content. So it was actually a blessing. I just didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, yeah. And let's speak a little bit more on that organic approach. Um, and is this mostly that you're speaking about within the social media area? Because and going back to your message and speaking, I see online individuals that they're it's like they treat the marketing different offline than they do online. It's like you become a different mm -hmm. person online. I don't know what that is, right. but if you were at that barbecue, you would totally tell someone differently and you would sound more human than what some people do when they're online, mm -hmm. when they're inside of Facebook groups or wherever they're doing that organic reach or speaking or sharing their message. Is that what you do? Is your, are you mostly on social media and how do you go about you're getting clients outside of groups or online? How do you well, do everything I do is virtual. So I don't target any of my local market just because I did that for years in real estate. I said, I don't want to play in my small local sandbox here in Atlanta, Canada. I want to work with people all over the world. So I have had some local coaches who've come to me, they stumble across with the podcast or whatever, but I've never targeted. I'm not buying ads in the back of buses or benches or anything like that locally. So to answer your question about social media is good, but I wouldn't, it's, it's a um, not always the most stable foundation to build your house on. And what I mean by that is um, you don't control your social media. So if you get deplatformed, you get kicked off Facebook or one of the other ones, you're kind of screwed. So while it's important to have that, I'm active, especially on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn and the other ones. But I think it's really important to have your email list. 
So I'm big on that. Build your list and you always have that list. Mark Zuckerberg or others can't take it away from you. So I think it's important not to put your eggs in one basket. You want to keep a few different baskets around. Absolutely. Totally agree. And let's not play this down, Mark. Mark has a really huge, what we call the jungle, and he has a huge community that he's been able to do that. But absolutely, it goes back to having your own platform, your own real estate online uh, in the virtual world, which is the email list. But tell us a little bit more. Let's get into your community. Do you build a community around you? Do you suggest that for coaches? And let's talk about your community. Yeah, so my Facebook group, you're in it. So thank you for being in there, Tequila. It's uh, called The Coaching Jungle. It's uh, three and a half years old-ish now. And there's a little over 16,000 as of today that are in that group. So don't get me wrong, that group's an important part of what I do. I, I love communities, whether it be Facebook groups or other ones, because it's really important that people get to KLTU. And when I say KLT, I mean know, like, and trust. And that's what Facebook groups allow for. So a lot of my clients, customers, opportunities come from the Facebook group. So I think it's really important. That being said, you don't have to have your own Facebook group. I know that there's coaches who do really well being active in other groups. There's ones who are active in my group. And I've had a few of them sheepishly say, Mark, I I get clients from your group. And I say, that's great. I can't work with 16,000 some people. I would love to be able to, but I can't clone myself. I do have a twin brother, by the way, but I can't. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I can't clone 100 marks to work with all the people in the group. So I say, hey, as long as you're providing good content, you're providing value in there, great. You're getting compensated. You're getting clients or business, all the power to you. So if you don't want to do your own group because it is work with it, then you at least get into communities that have your target clients and give value. Don't just spam them. But if you give value and you're helping people in there, you'll be monetizing. You'll be getting business from it. Absolutely. So Mark, let's say that we now have a coach because we've kind of started speaking about that coach that's just starting out, right? And now let's talk about that coach that's maybe now two years in. They're looking to really take it to the next level. What would a coach in this stage of their business, what would that that look like and what would they do? Well, at that point, they're going to want to be looking at bringing people on to their team to help with things. So it could be VAs, could be someone to edit their podcast, uh, whatever. Just they're going to probably need some help. When it comes to scaling, they're going to want to uh, make some changes probably with their offerings to allow them to scale. So what I find with a lot of coaches, once they hit that couple year mark, they fill their one-on-one spots, but then they're just coaching all the time in these one-on-one things. And in that case, you probably want to uh, create a program that gives you more scalability. You know, there's uh, perhaps some materials are delivered, whether it be video, PDFs, things like that by a module setup. And then you do one live call a week for everybody to pop on or something like that is just an example. But you have to start looking at it that way if you do want to scale up because you will hit a wall. I don't know the exact number. Maybe it's 150,000, maybe it's 200,000, but there hits a point where if you're by yourself, it's hard to do much more. Yeah, absolutely. So what would be your number one recommendation to coaches out here in the world? Because they're multiplying daily, (laughs) as we know, and your community keeps getting bigger and bigger. What would be your number one thing that you would basically tell a coach 
the coaching world, it's like gremlins, you know, feed them after midnight or whatever, get them wet because they'll multiply. I don't know, it might be before (laughs) some people's time there. But one piece of advice I would give is you have to uh, cut through the noise online. So for example, when I started my coaching business in 2014, it seemed really noisy then. Flash forward today, it's 10 times noisier and it's going to get even noisier as time goes on. So if you're the type of coach that thinks, oh, I'll post on Facebook once a week or even once a day and that'll be enough. No, that's probably not going to be enough. It's kind of like Grant Cardone talks about in the 10X rule, which is a great book. He says, you take whatever amount of effort you think you have to put in and you put in 10X, 10 times that effort to cut through the noise. So that's why I'm doing things like daily emails. It's why I've done for my podcast, Natural Born Coaches, 600 and some episodes. I'm posting on Facebook 10 times a day in total in the various places, the group, my profile and fan page and so on. It's just because I want to cut through that noise. So that would be my advice is um, don't skimp on your messaging. Make sure you're, you're getting out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Mark, it's been such a pleasure to have you here on the show. But before we get to the end, I want you to tell individuals about a program that you have that I think is is very unique and it helps individuals. And it's the 10 clients in 90 days. I mean, and that's absolutely a winner, I would think for a coach. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that's the one you used it to make $1.4 million in a month, or was it $1.3 million, <laughs> I think? Something like that. Exactly. We won't get too specific. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the program is all about getting 10 new coaching clients in 90 days, hence the title. So basically, yeah. it's um, the program I wish I had had when I was starting out. No fluff, no filler. My whole business model and with messaging and stuff, as I say, I'm not going to BS like so many people who are helping coaches online, you know, Hey, you can make a million bucks in 30 days working five minutes a day. I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. This program is going to, it takes work, but it's not fluff, no filler. And if you put the work in, then you can get new clients. So I've had some people have gotten 15 or 20 new clients going through it in those 90 days. I've had some people that have gotten seven or eight new clients, but they're charging a lot more than they were before. Before they started with me, they're tickled pink with it. But it's um, it's your coaching business in a box and it's all organic stuff. So it's nothing that requires any paid ads. It includes calls with me as well. And it's my um, flagship program, I say. So 10 clients in 90 days and it's at 10clients90days.com. The numeric 10 and 90. Yeah, perfect. So Mark, this next part of the show is a little bit switch. I like to get to know more about you and dig deeper into who you are and your story. Not that you haven't already shared, but it's personality questions. So the first one is, tell us the furthest place that you've visited from your birth city. Uh, Well, be Mexico. Yeah. I was the old guy in Cancun. I was 40 when I went to Cancun or 39 (laughs) thinking, oh, I, I feel like I'm young until I went to this resort. It was like real world Cancun. I'm like, no, I'm not yet. Average age is 21. I'm like, no, I'm not young. <laughs> I should have asked you what part of Mexico. <laughs> what is this I, I wish I could say it was like some ruins or p- type thing in the jungle. and It was really cool and exotic. No, it was an all-inclusive resort in Cancun. At this point, I've not been overseas to Europe, but my on the bucket list is to go to my family's uh, homeland of Ireland because I want to go to that island where they shot a uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. Remember when oh. Herman, Luke, Luke uh, Skywalker was on that island? That's yeah, in, yeah. That's in Ireland, Skellig Michael Island. So that's next on the list. How cool! And you have to get to Europe. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love Europe. Yes. 
So the next one is, and this is going to be a fun one. If you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you be and why? Oh, geez. That's a, I've never been asked that question. I've been on a lot of these. Uh, any animal in the world, I think I'd probably go with an eagle. I say for a couple of reasons. If I could ever choose a superpower, flight would probably be it. I am also um, a proud capitalist. I think I was born in the wrong country because I love the United States and its whole capitalist society. I think it's a great country. It gets crapped on a lot by a lot of Americans, unfortunately, too. And I'm like, it's a great country. So the whole eagle American thing, I'll go with the eagle. Very cool. And then if you could go back and speak to your 10-year-old self about life, what would you tell yourself? I would tell him, uh, buckle up, it's going to get a little bumpy, <laughs> but you're going to live. And actually, I would tell him one other thing. Uh, when I was 10 years old, I used to um, collect rubber WWF wrestling action figures. At the time, they were about $10. My brother and I ripped them up and we used to fight with them and stuff. I saw the other day that they're selling some of them for like two grand in their package. I would, uh, if I could hop in a DeLorean, I'd go back because I actually had the Ultimate Warrior one, which now is worth like two grand. I would say, do not open that, put it in a box somewhere and for future investment. Of course, you don't know. But that's what I would say as well. Don't play with those rubber wrestling figures. Keep them in the case. I tell you, toys are ma were made very well back then, and now they're like not made as well. And I had all the Star expensive. Wars one. Yeah, I had the Star Wars ones too, like the Millennium Falcon. All these ones are worth thousands of dollars now. We were, of course, playing with them and beating the crap out of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we had fun. I know, I know. So your name, tell us the history and a little bit more about how did you get your name? Well, Mawinney, like I mentioned, it's Irish. So the Mawinneys came over in the 1800s to Atlanta, Canada. So it's kind of an odd one. It's not exactly Smith or Jones or whatever. For my first name, a lot of people think that I'm French because it's spelled with a C, M-A-R-C. And although I know a little bit of French, being in a bilingual province here in New Brunswick, um, I'm not a French reason that's with a C is my grandmother was Francophone. She was an Arsenault from Chediac. So um, my parents named me Mark with a C instead of a K in honor of my uh, grandmother who is French, basically. Oh, really cool. So you have to get over to Europe. You have to now. <laughs> yes. And I have a twin brother and his name is Matthew uh, or Matt, he goes by. So I always make the joke that we also have brothers named Luke and John, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's no Luke and John, just Matthew and Mark. Ah, so funny. The same thing I do with my name, Tequila. I always say my sister's Brandy and my brother's Jack Daniels. <laughs> but that's not the truth. <laughs> it's just me. I was the only alcohol name. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you've heard some shot jokes, so I'm not even going to make any. Oh, I have heard a lot. That's why in my community, I decided to have fun with it, with Tequila Made Me Do It. <laughs> yes, well, I'm usually not a fan of tequila. Now I've met you, you're cool and stuff, so I like you. But the drink tequila, it's been a long time since I've had tequila. I'm more of a white wine guy. I don't want to be mixing tequila with white wine. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to mix the two. So yes, I'll let you have shots of tequila. Yes, I'm here for you. <laughs> Actually, after this interview, I, I have an interview with uh, Sax on the Beach, right? The shot or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know my shots. So. <laughs> well, Mark, it's been fun and it's been a pleasure. And before we hop off here, do you have any final parting words for the listeners that are listening to you today? Well, there's one thing I like to share with newer entrepreneurs. It's an acronym that came from a Robin Sharma book, but I think it's really important. I wish every entrepreneur tattooed it somewhere in their body and it's KMF. And what KMF stands for is keep moving forward. 
So I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I'm a very optimistic guy, but you are going to hit different challenges, stumbles along the way. It's inevitable. So always remember KMF, keep moving forward. There you have it from Mark himself. And everything that we've talked about here today, I will link in the show notes. And listeners, as always, remember that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be you. Until next time, stand out, be you. Are you feeling frustrated with being on social media? The nonstop promoting of your business only to hear crickets after each post. Do you feel as if you're not making connections with your target audience? Well, most times I have found the issue to lie within your messaging. Your message should grab your prospect's attention and tell them how you can solve their problem and why they should trust you and also why they should choose you and your business over any other business that's out there. The problem happens is you have a message, but it's all over the place and you're talking to the wrong audience. If your message is off, then everything within your business and marketing will be off. So what do you do to get everything lined back up? Well, I'm a firm believer that it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So I put together a download that gives you five steps. It's a five-step process to market your message. And you can grab it at tequiladoddard.com forward slash message. Again, that's tequiladoddard.com forward slash message.